the Endurance Asia podcast. Yo, pick your red up because things ain't that bad. Maybe you should switch the target that you're aiming at. Believe perfection is a beast that they'll never catch. So never waste another day because life moves so fast. And a dream without pursuing, yo, they never last. Another shadow of regret I try to never cast. And always tell a truthful story if they ever ask. Stop the complaining because things ain't that bad. Hello and welcome to episode 54 of the Endurance Asia podcast. I'm your host, Scott Pugh, and this week we do a recap of the Vietnam Mountain Marathon uh, held up in Sapa this weekend. And it's uh, part of the Vietnam Trail Series, also part of the Asia Trail Master Series as well. Uh, and we catch up with Mr. David Lloyd, the race director off the back of the the weekend uh it was seven events ranging from a 10k all the way out to a 100 miler um yeah really uh, i got to travel up myself to a beautiful part of the world uh really really stunning paddy fields uh lots of elevation lots of beautiful scenery really welcoming locals and uh, and yeah it was a it, it was a it was a fun weekend and, and challenging course with challenging weathers uh, with challenging weather over the over the weekend so um yeah really good chat with david the, his him and his team put on a a really good uh, good event and it's uh, it's interesting hearing his perspective what went on behind the scenes as they had a uh, w- with the weather challenges had to make some last minute changes to ensure all of the uh, all of the participants were were safe and uh, and it's good hearing how they adapted to things as they went uh, catch up with Rick after share a bit of my own story of uh, of getting the hundred miler done and uh, and some of the trials and tribulations of that but it was uh, yeah it was good good to be part of the event and uh, and good to be to be up and experience it so with that here is mr david lloyd that the truthful story of they ever asked Stop the complaining because things ain't that bad. Mr. David Lloyd, welcome back onto the Endurance Asia podcast. This is the this is the third third time having you on, sir. And we're hot off the back of the VMM Vietnam Mountain Marathon this weekend, which you've been directing. I had the 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 opportunity to run as well, but I think that you probably had the tougher job out of the two of us, mate, with a. Uh, that was a that was a full on weekend. How, how are you? Uh, how are you feeling? Feeling good. No, thank you very much. Yeah. Uh, first up, congratulations on on your performance, uh, smashing it in the in the one hundred miles. It was a real pleasure to to welcome you over to Vietnam. So yeah, thank thank you very much for joining. And uh, yeah, feeling wise, it's good here. We're all happy uh, in the crew. That the the vast majority of the runners are happy. Uh, everyone's safe, which is always a, a massive relief after after the race and sort of uh, physically. I don't think the real sort of tiredness has hit yet. Normally that come a few days later when we actually can like, fully wind down and then it, and then you realise how tired you are. But uh, yeah, physically doing all right and mentally yeah, very, very, very happy at the moment. So thanks a lot. Man, seeing you out there, you were a, you're a busy chap. I mean, it started from 2am on the on the Friday morning. It was a Friday morning, Saturday morning, sorry. And then uh, with the 100 miler race and then the, the last 10K race was on the Sunday morning. Uh, uh, I think, was yeah, was it like 8am or something or what was the? Uh... Yeah, so they went off at 8 and it was actually uh, your brain has been uh, it's malfunctioned after 100 miles. You started at 4am on Friday. Was it 4am? All the way through I... Friday. 
<laughs> I think that's because it was at yeah. 4am. I think it's because I got up at 2am. I think, uh, <laughs> and it, yeah. And, the Friday, and it was the Friday, not the Saturday. So you ran all the way through. You probably hardly set Thursday night. Guess most runners didn't. Yeah. All the way through Friday, all the way through Friday night. And then a lot of runners ran then into Saturday night. And the last ones came in at, on Sunday, actually, because they came in at uh, quarter to one Sunday morning. So, wow. uh, yeah, for us, it's a pretty ultra, ultra experience. But yeah, because you had uh, seven, yeah, seven actual disciplines this year as well. Right. And if you just like go back to the origins of VMM. So you, you've been around, you've been running the race. It was the, it's the very first under the um the vietnam trail series that you've been running so it was it was the first one and we obviously we we gave you when we when we did the endurance age awards a couple of years ago we um you, you won like the the top race and uh yeah and like you managed to sort of plow on through the pandemic mostly in that in that first year 2020 but yeah give us a little bit a uh, little um bit of the origin story of the race so you began back in 2013 uh, and at that time there really wasn't a, a scene here at all trail running or mountain running so i came across the vietnam in about 2011 and uh before that i was doing a lot of fell running like hill running in the uk when i came here i was really surprised that was really there was nothing going on uh then that race began in 2013 and it was almost all people from overseas coming in and at that time, I remember going out to a place called Hamlet, which is where the trail runners now go en masse outside Hanoi. And, you, and there were no other trail runners there. And I, was, I remember the one guy, his name was Kung, who did know a trail. Uh, so there really, it was that small. There would be one or two people from Vietnam. And then it's grown and grown. And now if you go out to that place for the trail running, trail running playground outside Hanoi at the weekend, it's rammed. And you've gone from maybe five or ten maximum runners from Vietnam back in 2013 to they were actually five thousand, nearly five thousand from Vietnam at this race. Wow! Um, how so, how yeah, many? It's, how it's, many international and how many domestic? It's uh, in the ends, it was five thousand six hundred total. If you include pacers, like your buddies who were helping you on the hundred course, I think about uh, four thousand of them were Vietnamese. Yeah, roughly. So, that's yeah, very that's very massive change. And, and do you put it down uh, to, I mean, obviously the growth of the scene across the region has uh, has like burgeoned over those 10 years. So there's that natural sort of growth. But the fact that you've actually been putting on these races, is it kind of, do you, do you think you've either been riding the wave or building the wave? What does it feel like and feel like for the team? I think both. It's, it's both. And there's just such a massive enthusiasm for adventure and for challenge here in vietnam and uh, people you see it not only in the trail running scene but in the iron man scene as well people will just jump straight in at 70.3 and not mess around with uh building up at all and it's that that just like let's get it done let's do something extreme mentality of vietnamese people is yeah. a big part of it and yeah for sure if, if we didn't put on the events of course it wouldn't happen but so i think the two things very much go hand in hand but it's a it's a great place to be to to operate these kind of events because yeah the enthusiasm and also like you experienced it's the the atmosphere that people bring to it it's just so friendly and welcoming and positive right when you're on the course and when you're at the finish line it's just yeah. this country that's made for this sort of stuff absolutely and, and just incredible runners i mean we'll talk about some of the performances from the from the vietnamese but they're just some really really strong runners out there i was uh, I, I was very very impressed very impressed by them and so the 
this year you had seven different disciplines right and so it's evolved over the year the, the longest uh distance that you had originally what it was a mountain marathon originally so it was 42k and then you you put in a 70 was that how it's how it started it, it, it began with a 70 a yeah. 70 and then a few years later the 100k was added and then this year for the first time the 100 mile was added which is the longest ever uh, uh, foot race in uh, in Vietnam that's uh, that's been been put on. I understand, and uh, and then so how did you go about planning the course for this year? Um, it's because of uh, COVID, we had a lot of time to plan the course. So uh, there's been it's been for a few different uh, iterations. But the for the hundred mile, we start with that. We wanted to take the hundred k already that was set, and then just add on the extra to it to not overcomplicate things. So we were looking for that first section to create the 100 mile and uh i had two ideas one was this high ridge line route and one was a uh, another route which was lower through the valley so we thought the sensible thing would be to stay low and grow through the valleys um but we went through that route and it's part of parts of it were beautiful but there was a lot more concrete in there than we expected and um concrete in quite bizarre places in the middle of nowhere but extremely steep concrete that you could get a 16 seat van up um that wouldn't be much fun for running around on so we decided to, to bin that one and go for the ridge but the ridge is um a completely different beast compared to anything we've done before because all of the checkpoints along that are not accessible by motorbike or by car you have to walk into them so um we knew it was quite an extreme thing to do but we thought with just a couple of hundred people and in daylight we could do it um so we went for that for that ridge line route which is um sort of straight out of sapa up onto the top of a ridge all the way across to uh, Topaz Eco Lodge almost and then dropped down to, to 103 checkpoint and so uh, yeah that was the idea was to have this extreme ridgeline route but we'll move on yeah what actually happened I guess later and then for the rest of the route the 100k we've had set for a long time but the first part of that the first loop out around uh, checkpoint 103 had, had become increasingly uh, concrete uh, because people are building paths between the villages so you can go on motorbikes we wanted to move it off that um, so we created a new loop for that first uh, is in fact 39 kilometers. If you want to move off concrete now, it means you get more gain. So we ended up with quite a lot more elevation on that uh, on that section. So the 100K is for sure the hardest 100K ever. And then you also had you, you know people like you banged on another 60 on top. So it was, a, it was we knew it was going to be extreme. And there was also a loop in there, which you we maybe we talk about later. You you went around a short loop two times, uh, four times of course in the end. The plan was to do that twice and that loop in itself we changed a bit because uh, the idea with that was to bring you back to the same checkpoint a few times you could have a really good uh, checkpoint experience there with a good food and your drop bag um, but the original loop we planned was actually a bit too hard I went out there and just ran it just ran the loop alone and realized after you've done that first section putting this loop in the middle and then going on to another rock hard first 40k was too much so we we, we, we toned that down a little bit for you um, yeah, in the end, it was a good job we did because you had to do it four times, right? So, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, a lot of planning over a long, a long time, but that's the fun part of the job, going out there. And it's not just me; there's a team. We go out together, and it's good days on the trail, you know. And yeah. uh, that's, a lot of those days are really what you think. Like this is this is the good stuff about the job. And yeah, because you actually you live in Hoi An, don't you? But the the Topaz Eco Lodge, which is the sort of uh, the the Topaz Travel Company, which I suppose are the the main like the company that you work for that runs all of these events. They um so you would just go up and stay at the Eco Lodge for a while and just go and recce all of the all of the trails all around the region. 
Yeah, stay in the lodge or stay in, like, we have an office in Tapper Town as well. And so okay. we just stay at a really basic little hotel next to that. And then that's where all the crew are. So you can, if staying out there in Tapper Town is sometimes better because you can hang out with the other crew more. And then and sometimes going out at the Eco Lodge. Yeah. And then, but sometimes, yeah, a nice couple of days at the lodge is a, is, is a good thing too, for sure. Yeah. I mean, it's just such a stunningly beautiful part of the world. Um, and, and just to, so everyone knows, in it, you fly into Hanoi and it's around a sort of it's five to six hour drive. I actually got a lift up from Trung because I missed my, my flight was delayed coming in. So I didn't get the main bus. And I think we got up there in about four hours with his absolutely crazy <laughs> driving. But um, I think we beat the bus and I was like two and a half hours uh, late leaving the airport. Um, but it, but yeah, you sort of drive north, uh, north uh, west, almost to the border of China. And then you start like a big climb which is probably, it's probably um, uh, the supper is actually, what's the actual elevation of supper? It's about, about 1500, um, 1500 so. yeah. yeah yeah so the main the main road up there is about 24k straight up yeah and if you keep going actually then that's the longest for cyclists that's the longest road climb in the country if you keep going you can do 30k climbs like a all category alp style climb oh wow okay that's uh that there's a there's an everesting route for you for next time round. um <laughs> but uh um so yeah and and then you'd also put in so 100 miler the 100k which you made a lot a lot harder at the beginning and then this the the 70 and 42 were, were they also slightly different routes as before or were they the um uh the same there's because there's one big mountain that you go up called cow hill which is like 2300 meters and it's i i the actual climb is probably around 1500 meters i think to to get up to the top of it that doesn't sound exactly right but yeah it, it felt like 1500 meter climb getting to the summit of it yeah for you got for anyone doing 70 or more that's a long climb for the 42k uh runners they come up from a different uh, on a different route but that was the harder this year so the 70k didn't change actually but the 42k became harder uh, because of the new start place which was lower down so they had a bigger climb up onto the top of that mountain and then the 21k we also changed and that became harder <laughs> so we started that in Sapper Town, and they they went straight onto a, a, a climb right out of the gun basically and uh and up onto a onto a trail a really beautiful trail so i think uh, the 42 and the 21 harder and better and more beautiful yeah. for this year yeah so i mean let's go into the actual day then so we i was driving up and I was looking at the weather forecast, I think, oh, it might be a few spots of rain. And then all of a sudden, it was just torrential. And I live in Singapore, and we're quite used to having um, monsoon-style rain. But it ended up being monsoon-style rain, which lasted for 24 hours solid uh, and, and was still going at 4 a.m. Uh, when, when we were due to click off the 100-miler. So I went to bed that night just thinking, Oh God. And I knew I'd heard from people that had wrecked the first part of the hundred mile course that it was extremely technical getting up there and then a really sort of exposed ridgeline. And we were doing it sort of, yeah, obviously I had starting in the morning, but yeah, I was a little concerned about it, but yeah, what, when you were going through that, what was the, um, yeah, what as from a safety perspective, how were you thinking about it at the time? Before earlier in the day when it was just when it was starting to rain, we thought, OK, if it's a bit wet, then we'll 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 press ahead with it. And then, as you say, it just kept raining and it get more and more heavy. And then we start we had crew already up there because uh, they were, of course, they were going to be there ahead of you and they were going to sleep up there and then be ready for you when you came in the morning. So we were talking to the crew up there and it was bad in Sapper Town. 
and it was bad in the car for you driving up but actually on the ridge it was worse so uh, when one of the crew said they couldn't get the tent down because the wind wouldn't allow them to that's when we said okay there's no doubt here this is off and it was a uh, there were a few of us in the room and it was there was no disagreement it was just okay decision made let's get it sorted now so it meant therefore we had to communicate to the runners what was happening uh it was very late so i guess you woke up to the email i'm actually intrigued how did you find out yourself so actually jean i was, I was uh, sharing a room with him and his wife and he said oh like he saw the email first and just said yeah change okay. of route um, and i was yeah. like secretly like yes <laughs> yeah that's the thing we realized quickly because the, the, in the in the room when we're making a decision with it's of course the main thing is safety but always in the back of your mind is what a runner's thinking yeah how are they going to react to this well interestingly i was sitting on the plane yeah i was sitting on the plane with um with a guy called henry yang a singapore uh, a singapore ultra runner guy who who did the miler and he's done multiple, I think he's done like eight, eight milers or something. And he was actually, he was disappointed about it. He was like, I was, uh, yeah, I'd like heard about that ridge line and was really looking forward to it. And, um, and yeah, was, was a bit disappointed. Um, so, but yeah, my, my personal feeling was like, uh, yeah, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm quite happy <laughs> to be avoiding it. Yeah. Yeah. No, there was no doubt in our minds and that just, but it just meant then we had to get everything sorted out, which meant because everyone was up or ready to go up including the medical teams we'd already put all the food up there and the water up there but our plan b to bring people down it meant that it was just you were just running the course the 21k course and a part of the course you would do later so it wasn't a massive logistical yeah feat to do it but of course, did you always still, have that as a plan b like backup if there was any if, so yeah. you'd already yeah okay that, that's good yeah so yeah it was kind of it was ready but we hadn't it's never you know, we had to make the decision to actually kick it all into action. But when we did, it meant everyone, uh, everyone who had their job, so Hums looking after the checkpoints, Tien's looking after the marking, uh, working with the police, making sure the safety is right. Everything just just happened nice and smoothly. And uh, yeah, it just meant we didn't get any sleep at all <laughs> that night. Yes. So it was a bit, yeah. bit of a stressful start, but uh, but it all worked out. Yeah, and we went off on the start with a hundred miler at four a.m. and it was still torrential. Then it was still like really. Uh, I think we had like another two or two hours of rain at, at, at the start. But um, yeah, it was a uh, um, yeah nice part of part of the course. And then yeah, heading over to. But it meant we had to then at the Topaz Lodge where you'd planned in a couple of loops, which I suppose that was you'd originally planned one loop in, which was longer, but was, as you said before, was just way too technical. So you planned in two slightly shorter loops, which were a, a little bit more manageable, which because of the shorter distance for the first part of it meant that we had to do four loops around, uh, um, yeah, around the, the Eco Lodge, which, which was actually really nice. I mean, it's like beautiful views and stuff around there. It was just like a, a slow, gentle road down and then a and then a a, a drop and a, and a hike back up um through a valley which was which was quite nice right but but as you say with a with with the main aid station you can just go in and have your drop bag and uh um i think for me and i don't know about anyone else but it just meant that i kind of i probably pushed a little too hard around there because i just felt good and was just able uh, to like smash yeah. it around there quite quite easily but um uh but yeah it was it, it must have been very difficult for the dot watchers though because you you had um you had dot uh yes. dot track asia um on there and it's a uh, yeah it was, i spoke to ben lee after and he said it was almost like a washing machine like uh, following the dots just going around this sort of like yeah. uh one spot and understanding sort of like who was ahead and it was only once 
you went out on the next part, which was where the 100K route started, that you really knew who was, uh, yeah, who, who was like winning the race and what the uh, what the rankings were. Yeah, it was complicated. What we had actually, we put in three systems on there. So we had the timing systems, the timing mats. Yeah. To check how many times you crossed the mats. Plus we had the dot, plus we had a uh, pen and paper. So we had uh, at each at the checkpoint, we remember you were you were getting signed in when you came in to say you'd done one loop, two loops, three loops, four loops. And then halfway around the loop, we had Kung standing there doing the same thing. So actually that's a, that's number four backup. So we had timing mats, pen number one, pen number two, and a dot. So we we knew what was going on, honestly. No, I'm sure. It was just for the people watching online. They're like, actually, what's going on? Like, where is everyone? Yeah. Um yeah, but yeah, they're a bit mad. Then heading out on the hundred kilometer route, so then it's sort of like then it picks up from where the, all the hundred k runners start, and, and they were not going to be starting till eight thirty p.m. that night. And I think uh, I forget exactly what time I went out on the started the hundred k course, but it was probably around uh, around two o'clock or something off the top of my head. Um, and at that time, it goes immediately through paddy fields. And so bearing in mind that Sapper is like a complete sort of like a, a rice, uh, rice region where they're generating everything's paddy fields. And obviously paddy fields by nature are going to be pretty wet. That's not, that's not, they're all filled with water. And, um, and add to that 24 hours of torrential rain it was an absolute quagmire through there. It was, uh, it was, and I can remember, I, I was the, I think I was the fifth person going through that, the first part of the hundred K and I, I didn't have poles. And so I, and I was like sliding around a bit. And all I was thinking was I knew a few people running the hundred K and I was thinking, God, we've got like another 180 of the 160 of the 100 mile runners going to come through this before the hundred K runners start. This is going to, be brutal coming through here at night in uh um so yeah how was it for the 100k runners going through there very very hard yeah honestly so they had an extra hour compared to the normal the old course there was an extra hour on the start and then an extra hour on the other side on the checkpoint cuts off so they had two hours extra to get through there but it's still it was very very hard honestly and uh, yeah that's that was the main difficulty for them and also because it comes right at the beginning you've got to get mentally in the game straight away you know, with all those start line nerves and then it's straight away difficult technical trail and it's pitch black and it was raining. So, yeah, honestly, for them, it was it was extremely hard. So anyone who's finished that race is uh, is going to feel extremely proud. Well, I mean, that's that's a good point. I'd to sort of go on to some of the um, uh, the the finish, uh, the, the DNF rates. And I, I think it's almost like I don't know whether for race directors, it's kind of like a badge of honour how uh how low the, or, or how high the dnf rates are i mean i don't know do you actually like for people to be able to finish it i, I remember us having the race yes. base asia team on and the like uh the um and the the nine dragons race and they actually like the fact that it's extremely difficult to finish because you know people if they dnf they're like i'm gonna go back next year and make sure that i get it done so yeah what's uh so yeah what were the finish rates and what's your sort of philosophy around uh making it that difficult uh well the, the 100 miles around 70 percent, 68 percent, which is great and I, yeah which is really had, high actually it, yeah it's very high yeah it's and we're very happy with that um especially for a first edition honestly if it had been the ridge line no way it would have been that high and it yeah. And another part of changing our plan for the race actually was not only the, the course, but it meant because you went along the, the lower 
section instead of the ridge, the whole, all the timings changed. So we were expecting people to come to the finish way later because of the ridge, because you could move through that fairly speedy. And then you've got the four loops, which like you said, you, you felt strong and you, you, could, you could move through that quite well. Everything, everything changed. Um, but yeah, 70% for the 100 mile is fantastic. And then uh, down at the 30% region for the 100K is less fantastic. So uh, my philosophy so is... 30% finish rate for the, for the 100K. For the 100K. So we're going back. If we go back to the first time we did that in Vietnam, it was around that sort of rate. And then it's come up and come up and come up over the years. I think one reason it's come up is the concrete on the old course made it easier and easier and easier. And then, of course, there's more and more and more experience among the runners. Those two things together meant with a, the DNF rate got a lot lower for the 100K. Yeah. But the complaint rate about the course because of the, con the concrete was creeping up. So, yeah. OK, we decided we'll do something about that and put it back to trail. But with that comes the higher DNF rate. So now there's a balance and we've got to work out, like, what do we do? Do we, we, do we keep this? And probably over the years, the next few years, it will, the DNF rate will come back to where it was before. Or is it just a bit too hard and we move it back to the old course or something in between? So there's now it's we're talking about this on Tuesday. Tuesday? Yeah, Tuesday. So we've got yeah. we're in race evaluation mode at the moment and it will be it won't be today you know it'll be over the over the course of the next uh, few weeks we look at things and we'll decide what to do with that 100k course but yeah the philosophy is I, I mean a fairly hard race yes we want it that is we always say this is a tough race but not so hard that you're knocking people out who ought to be able to finish yeah you know so it's um we've got to look at the balance there so i think for the 100 mile it looks great and for the 100k we'll assess it yeah, I mean, the, interestingly though, the hundred k route was the like the same as the hundred miler, but you just put a, a sixty k on beforehand. I think one of the big things is you you only sign up for a hundred miler if you if you're pretty sure and and you yeah. you can't mess around with training for that. Whereas I think a hundred k, you get a lot of people which it would be their first, and you know they might have only done a 50k before and they'll go right i'll give the 100 100k a, a crack and it's probably not the first 100k you want to do <laughs> definitely it's definitely not the first one you want to do but it, for most people it is for sure and you're right 50k is asked we ask people you've got to show us your result of a 50k or more but there's no time limit on that one so you could have done a 50k and just creeped in in cutoff yeah. on a fairly easy 50k and then rock up to this course and find out there's a quite a big gap between the two right how, how many people uh, did you have running the 100k uh, a few hundred so definitely and definitely a lot of newbie 100k runners in there so we're asking people on the starts who's done this before who's doing this for the first time and a lot of hands were going up and at that point i'm thinking this is going to be a big dnf fest <laughs> yeah, this, uh, <laughs> yeah but and that, i mean it's not it's not something we're aiming for 30 percent isn't yeah like the badge of honor thing it's Definitely not that that figure that um that we want, but uh, yeah, something like around fifty percent would look a bit better, I think. But but like yeah. you say, it was the conditions were savage, so yeah. You well, what made really... it also extremely hard for both the hundred k and the hundred miler is that, as you mentioned before, the the twenty one k route, which hundred mile route, dad to do at the beginning as an alternative to the ridge line. Both the hundred k and the hundred miler actually did that at the end. And the 21k route had actually gone off just before many of us came through there. So 
not only was it cut up from the people that did the hundred miler, then and it, that part of the route was also just extremely uh, like there was a bit going through a bamboo forest, which was just completely like decimated with mud. Like it was uh, it was crazy through there. And um, and to doing that either in in the last 15K of either a miler or a hundred K was just torture. Like, I mean, I, I've got my I've ruined my knee and going through there without poles um was uh yeah was bloody tough man that was uh <laughs> that was brutal and so i can imagine a lot of people struggled getting through that getting through that bit having fall and i was i was holding up the back of the packers in the 21k like i was actually in their way <laughs> <laughs> and so um but uh but yes yeah, so i can I, I can see that but what was interesting is that i i saw the uh the, and, and we'll move on to sort of some of the some of the top results. But um, I saw the lady that um, that won outright the hundred k route. She bombed past me on that last twenty one k, and my gosh, she was just flying through. And bearing in mind, it was so muddy that it was every footing. It was almost like it was almost like like climbing in the in in like the in the snowy mountains where you got to like cut your feet in three times before you can have enough purchase to do the next step it was that bad and she just flew through like she was on air you know like she was on a cloud she was incredible um and yeah so she she ended up winning the the 100k outright um i understand sorry please remind me remind me of her name Ha-ho is her name Ha-ho. I hope so. She, yeah, she's from there. So the one of the, the really beautiful things about that is that's her town. So uh, that's a hometown sapper girl smashing it and also smashing all the men at the same time. So yeah, she did uh, an awesome race. And yeah, like you say, she just she just flies across it. She's born to do that, and it is uh, yeah, it's really beautiful to watch how she how she runs across that terrain. And uh, yeah, so she came in in uh, in first place, but I'm not at all surprised. Actually, a few years ago. A couple of years ago at VTM, our Vietnam Trail Marathon, I put a bet on her doing that. Then I thought she was going to beat all the men and she was looking like pretty good. And then towards the end, uh, that was a 70K, it started to go a bit wrong because she was new to ultra running. Um, and she, that was her first 70K, I think, at that race. She still came in third overall. But I, yeah, I wasn't at all surprised to see her beat all the men at this race because, uh, yeah, she's gifted, definitely gifted. Yeah, and like we just love to see that, and just from uh, just to see the w- women crushing the guys. And actually, it was a, it was a French guy that came in second and top male, and he also he passed me and was just looking extremely strong there as well. Like there was some um, yeah, r- really good runners. But um, the one that like impressed me probably more than anything though is is Quang, and he's impressed for years, right? He's probably the the sort of pinnacle of Vietnamese ultra running. He did the miler. Uh, he's got an amazing track record. I mean, he's run UTMB. I think he came third at, um, at uh, UTMB Thailand, and he's just been uh, been crushing the the Vietnam um, Trail Series for the last few years. But yeah, he he put down a really impressive performance this past weekend, didn't he? He did, and he's another one with that style. So one uh, one of our guys on course with a gimbal camera is Quang. He's a good runner as well, podium runner. Uh, last time at uh, VMM 2020, he was coming to, actually, sorry, Vietnam Trail Marathon. He was trying to follow Quang on a downhill. Quang's run 40 kilometres of the race thus far, uh, 
and I mean, uh, he's racing. And then Quang Nguyen, who's got the gimbal, is fresh, waiting to get a checkpoint just to follow him down the hill. And he's running after him. And you can see Quang's just running away from the gimbal. And Quang's trying hard to stay on, stay on his tail, but he's just got this style over the rock. That's just, and he's flying, he's floating across the lot. He's got suspension, you know. So again, it's just in him, this gift. And he's a lovely bloke as well. So yeah. it's, uh, good, it's a good package with Quang here. Yeah, I mean, the two of them, I've been saying for a while, but like when um, I've been tapping up Ryan Blair from the North Face Adventure team about Quang, like I, I think he's, he said he's going to, I was chatting to him at the end and he's going to, he's running UTMB again next year. And um, so we'll, uh, we'll see how he performs on the global stage, but just an, an incredible runner. But I think it was, it was impressive to see that um outside of the the french guy sorry i forget his name who who uh who came second in the 100k yes yeah Gaten. um yeah. The, uh, the all of the podiums for the for the for the miler and the 100k route were all all vietnamese as well and there's just some really really strong runners in the scene there now right exactly yeah it's it's, it's grown fast not only the number but the, the quality as well has, has just gone up so quickly and it's, on the men's side it happened a while ago and on the women's side, it's it's it was a bit slower. But now when you've got the people like uh, Ho, who've kind of raised that level, it will be really interesting to see what happens on the women's side as well in the coming years. So I think you're going to see a lot of uh, a lot of very fast. At the moment, we've got the strong uh, long distance runners, but I think the speed's going to go up as well on the women's side. And then you're going to have uh, yeah, Southeast Asia probably domination. I, I can predict it on both sides. Yeah, I mean, it's so good to see because, I mean, we've got some good representation from Thailand, from Philippines, from uh, some good runners from Indonesia as well. So it'll be great to see um, see, see the Vietnamese up there as well. Um, but yeah, I'd just like to like give a shout out to all the, the organisation of the aid stations. I mean, obviously, you do you use the same team for every race for the for VT, for Vietnam Trail Marathon and the Vietnam Juggle Marathon as well. Is it the same team that go to each uh, each event? It is, yeah. So, and, he, and the head of that team is Hum. He's the head of the checkpoints team, and so he he's the one who coordinates all of the all of the staff and the checkpoints together. And yeah, I really appreciate that shout out for them because they work so hard, and uh, they're the ones who are face to face with the runners, you know. And, and the majority of runners are happy, but not all of them. <laughs> so, you know, the, anybody who's having a, a bad time and wants to unload these the checkpoint staff are the ones that you know take that unloading so they they do it's not only that sort of physical hard work they do there's come kind of an emotional counseling sort yeah. of uh a part of it as well and and they're just fantastic at all, at all of it and like you say yeah they've I, I i think they did a great job too but it's hard to see yeah that sounds better when you say it than i say it obviously so you know yeah. on the inside so massively appreciate it thank you i i mean from my perspective just going through a lot of the checkpoints and i was in a pretty bad way for the last 50k and I had to like go through a couple of checkpoints and just like basically collapse and get them to try and massage my knee and try and like uh, try and get me out for the next bit and just have a little bit of try and have a little bit of kip. And um, but they were just like immediate. They were just so helpful and so caring and just uh, like, what can I do for you? What can I do? Can I fill your water bottles? And they were just and they just knew, you know, like, and especially for mm. Uh, for the front races like they just know okay bang there's more water bottles like what do you want hammer da, 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 and like and also you'd ask them about what was coming up next in the course and they'll go okay you've got around 5k of like uphill like uh like gravel track or road and then you've got and like they know the course straight away so it's like uh 
Uh, and that's what you expect. You want uh, when you're coming into a checkpoint, you want just real efficiency. If you're going through fast, if you're in pain, you want a bit of caring and someone to look after you. And like to the point where I lay down and they like, put a blanket over me and stuff. And I'm just like, OK, that's pretty cool. Um, yeah. And uh, and then just to be able to give really good instruction and, and be able to sort of help um, uh, on what's coming next and what to look out for and what to be prepared for. So, um, yeah, hats off um, to, to the team there. Um, and, actually, uh, at one point in there on the checkpoint team I didn't mention so Holm looks after all our guides that do it and a lot of them are tour guides and that's why they're so on it because they're, they're, they're professional uh, got you. Tour guides normally um, but also with the people who are doing the massage and looking after you sometimes are from Hungop which is our medical partner and yep. again their team now they've been with us for years so they, they know the drill and uh, I think they always sort of half look forward to the races and half dread the races because it's going to be, it's like going into a battle for them. You know, the amount of work they have to do looking after runners on the checkpoints, but they're, and at the finish line, although at the finish line this time, the medical area wasn't very busy, luckily, but yeah, first, so that's not just uh, with us, that's Hongop, our medical partner, who were, who were absolutely fantastic. So, uh, and, and how many, did they have any... This. Yeah, did they have any instances? Did they have any? Uh, I know that there was. Um, I saw one of when I was at the the medal ceremony. There was uh, one of the podium for I think it was the forty two k. A Kiwi gentleman that uh, had a bit of a did himself a bit of a mischief early on in the race. Yeah, that's uh, Jamie uh, Tarara from New Zealand. So yeah, he he broke his hand right at the beginning, and then uh, well, came in, did the whole course, came in third, like you say, and, and got it fixed up later. So yeah, he's a. Uh, He's a hard individual, that man. He, he broke his hand at the beginning of the race. I think he wasn't sure he'd broken it, <laughs> but he knew it hurt, but he just carried on and uh, and yeah, and got it done. So amazing. And he said also, I don't know him well, but he certainly seemed like a really, really nice bloke. And uh, I mean, and I just want to tell you one thing about check, a checkpoints uh, story before I forget it, because um, talking about how much they care on the checkpoints. Last time I was standing at checkpoint seven and a runner came in and his shoes were hurting him. They were, he felt like he'd had the wrong size shoes. And he's like, has anyone, I, I just got a different size ship. Well, he knew the size shoe he wanted. Has anyone got this size? One of our checkpoint staff, Nan, he said, I've got that size shoe, sir. And maybe you remember often you get called sir. And this is the tourism sort of hospitality background of these people. And it's Nan stepped out of his shoes and passed them over to the guy, gave the man his own shoes, and then stood there on the checkpoint working with no shoes on. So that is the, the level of dedication that comes from some of these people. So, yeah. Wow, that's crazy. That. That's crazy. I actually heard a story from um, from Henry Yang who was on the flight with of one of his friends was doing the 100K and he was wearing a pair of ultra shoes and he lost the soles of both of his shoes about 15K into the 100K. And so he had no he had no lugs on the bottom of his shoes. What? I think he made it to like around 70 or so or, and uh, and then to the top of Cow Hill or so and then had to um, around there and had to pull out. But um uh but yeah other than that no, uh, yeah uh no, no other no other injuries or anything on course everything else sort of passed fairly smoothly other than that yeah there's a few small things but not nothing major which is amazing really when five and a half thousand people go across that the sort of terrain but yeah no it was all good yeah i i don't think i mean obviously i'd recommend everyone to check out the um the vietnam trail marathon social pages the facebook and see some of the videos but Unless you're actually on it, you can't really understand how sort of challenging some of the parts of the course were. Then how so steep some of them were, like the main hill, that cow hill. What what degree do you think there's a like a 
it's like a co- very like single track concrete path which goes up through like a vegetable um canopy yes. and i don't know what vegetable i don't know what uh, fruits or something but it's quite low like i was whacking my head on it the whole way up getting like yeah. headbanging all these fruits and i had no poles as well <laughs> so i'm just like crouching down crawling up this hill and it seemed to go on for god knows how long but it was it was a good it's good two or three k it felt like and um and definitely a few hundred meters elevation but what what percentage do you think that sort of climb is there it seems incredibly steep I don't know. extremely extremely steep savage percentage i would say and that and, and there's no like you say you have to bend down to get under that stuff if you couldn't come down it so no. it's only possible to go up because you it'd be impossible to run down through that wouldn't it so yeah, that's a that's a tough part. And then once you're over the top, you've got to come down the other side, which is a massive descent. And that's also in that in that uh, rain. Yeah, it tough. was it was so muddy. There's like there's and it was just uh and there's nothing to really hold on to. And uh, yeah, without poles, and I I was basically on my. That's where I was. I'd been running with Jean a bit. That's where you. But that's where he caught up to me, and. Uh, and he has like had poles going down and I fell over in front of him like three times. I'm like, mate, you're going to have to go. <laughs> this is going to take me a while. Um, <laughs> and uh, yeah, coming down off the back of that hill was uh, was not fun. But um, I saw like a, I saw a video. I think it was a video of Kwang running up the top of that, just uh, up at the top of that hill. I think it was Kwang. It was one of the um, one of the podium runners on the 100 mile and just just effortlessly running and the views from there are just spectacular but um but yeah some of the valleys that you run through these paddy field valleys it is I, I haven't been anywhere or seen anywhere like it in the whole of asia i mean obviously there there are certain but i think in sort of like yeah in some some areas around bali or whatever you get the sort of paddy fields like that but it's it's nothing like i've seen before and it's just a really incredible experience to be able to to run through that kind of terrain as a um as like a sort of difference to what what we can be used to in some of the main trail running places like like hong kong or or, or singapore or, um or uh or thailand etc so um yeah congratulations for finding all of those routes um i mean there is a lot of concrete but i can imagine that that's happened from when you started like there wasn't there but it, it's the nature of it's what's happened in sort of north of thailand as well around chiang mai is like all of these villages where they have dirt paths eventually they need to be able to connect these with concrete roads right and so um and i can imagine it's quite hard keeping up with that because then you've got to find alternative constantly to be able to make sure that you sort of keep it as a trail run as a as opposed to like a yeah like a a bit of a sort of mountain road run in certain parts Exactly, and the problem is the more that you try and find the trail, the more get, the more gain, the more elevation you get. And we've got to keep it. It's still a lot of people are doing this for the first time, and we do want them to finish generally. So if it, if like for example a seventy k, if we move it all off and get rid of all the concrete and put it all on trail, it would be rock hard now because of the kind of gain that we'd have to be be putting in for it. So it's a, it's always a sort of trade off. But actually, yeah. in these conditions this weekend, it's good that we had concrete some sections because if it was yeah. a completely trail, that DNF rate would look uh, a little bit way less attractive. Future yeah. participants, I think, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, mate, congratulations! Like, really, um, really good weekend. Were there any other performances that you that really stood out for you over the weekend? Were there any people that you uh, um, that you you saw out on the course, whether it be back of the Packers or anything that you uh? that really sort of captured captured your imagination? I've got to say, actually, everybody who did the 10 or the 15K on Sunday, because a lot of them people came in and they just looked like, what was that? 
You know, I said at the start line, this is the hardest 10K of your life. And I think people are like, whatever, he's just bigging it up. And, and then they came back and they were like, okay, yeah, that was true. Because it, it, these people, it is the first time for many of them. And that 10K comes out of Sapper, drops down into the valley, goes along for not very far, and then whacks straight back up again. And it's up trail and that's slippy trail. You know, it's hard. So anybody that did that uh, and probably wasn't really mentally or maybe physically prepared for it and got it done is, uh, yeah, I really admire a lot of those people. A lot of them are young and even families are out there with some of their kids and those are all amazing. And also the, the first woman in the 100 mile, actually, Fern, uh, she did a, an awesome race and that's her first podium. Wow. Um, okay. So she obviously just, she needs to go longer, longer, longer to 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 get onto that podium spot. And uh, yeah, she was uh, also a really, a really amazing performance and uh, a good person to see, see get up there after a lot of other other races. So, yeah, a lot of amazing performances. And uh, of course, Jamie bust his hand stands out as well. Uh, yeah. So, yeah. Good on him. Yeah. I saw a, at the hotel, I saw a 14 year old boy who'd run the 10 K actually. And, uh, and he was like, yeah, I want to, he wanted to do the 21. He's like, I'm not old enough yet though. I need to be, I need to be 17, yeah. but, uh, but he looks strong. I think like you can, um, yeah. Um, yeah. It's good to see the, the, the young, young kids coming through as well. A lot of those, the faster ones will be from Laokai, which is the province that Sapper's in and they're running in uh, road shoes. A lot of them as well because they just haven't got the kit so then after when often we'll pick them up and perhaps like decathlon one of our sponsors or solomon might get involved with that club and, and send some shoes across uh hopefully yeah. and uh another runner as well is v from uh, blue dragon so he's the the coo of ceo sorry of uh, blue dragon children's foundation he's one of our which one of the charities we work with and he did his first 70k out there and he got it done in around uh it was about 18 hours so uh, he's gone from not running a call a couple of years ago to getting involved with the, the racers and then he set up a, a children's running club at the Blue Dragon Children's Foundation. These are kids that are X Street kids and some are survivors of human trafficking and he's he's now doing this run club with them. And so he's not only, you know, running for for himself, but he's also inspiring these kids. So that's a fantastic that he, uh, he was able to finish that first Rock Hard 70k as well. Yeah, it's amazing. What's the charity's name again? That was Blue Dragon Children's Foundation. Blue and uh, so the running club for that, we uh, we also accept donations, actually. So if anyone's got any uh, yeah, cash donations are great. And also all, any kit uh, they can bring across to the races. So if anyone's coming to Vietnam Jungle Marathon October 15th or Vietnam Trail Marathon next uh, in January, and you've got kit that's in decent enough condition that it's still going to last for a while, then please bring it over and uh, you can we can hand it over to the to the kids at that run club. That'd be great. Yeah, that's amazing. And th there's another charity that you support as well as part of the uh, um, as part part of the race as well. Which one you've been working with for, for quite a while? Another uh, children's charity. There's uh, there's newborns Vietnam, and they do they work with uh, with uh, neonatal units here to do training and provide some equipment, and then also Operation Smile, um, who do facial surgery for kids with cleft palate, mm. and then we also do our own project. So. Um, Kien, who's a big part of the, the Vietnam Trail Series team, he also uh, somehow fits in uh, project managing building schools as well. So there's boarding boarding houses and school cl actual classrooms around the Sapper area that you will have run past actually very close to some of them that are, that are built using money from the racers. So it's from the runners really. We give up some of the money from every entry over 21k over to this charity project. So it's the runners that are funding it. So uh, yeah, thank you. <laughs> Yeah, very cool. Well, mate, honestly, congratulations to you. I mean, to have 
a full weekend for seven seven different start lines that you launched at the weekend it was like it was almost like you were everywhere across the whole valley like <laughs> I don't know actually how you made it from one per one place to the next and uh, I think I saw you at one point and you were uh, you were like oh, you, you I was running along the road and you stopped ah oh, Scott how are you doing I'm like yeah I'm, I'm okay I'm okay I was, I was like do you know what position I am he's like oh you're like oh let me check for you you're like, oh, wait a sec. I've got another start line to be at. <laughs> I've got to go. But, yeah, you're doing well. <laughs> yeah. see, you, see you later. Um, and uh, But yeah, man, it must have been a, um, a pretty pretty stressful weekend. But like, honestly, I think it was it was very impressive. Very well run event. You guys uh, run a really tight ship. Um, and, and what have you got coming up next? Because I think uh, you've, you've got like a couple of weeks break and then you've, uh, you're straight back into it, right? Yeah, so we're just going to, we're just talking now actually about closing registration for Vietnam Jungle Marathon on October 15th. So that one's next up and that's in Pulung in a, in a nature reserve. It's quite remote out there. And we, um, that's another challenge because we set up the, the finish line village. It's normally, there's two homestays there, but we turn it into 30 homestays, just real homes, people's still house homes. And uh, so we welcome around 300 runners to that village to actually stay there. And then there's around, I don't know, maybe we'll have 1200 runners across all the distances so that's setting up a race plus setting up this little village and then we put a kitchen in the in the field behind it so some of the kitchen team from ecolodge come down and they put a crack team of of chefs together from the village mostly women come out of the village and they they, they cook up for you know well we've we, what 1200 runners potentially in a field at the back of this at this place so that's another operation in itself and then uh yeah then it's on to vietnam trail marathon in in january so uh Bit of a bit of a crazy schedule these two months and, uh, and the staff, like I say, yeah, busy season, but good season, good season. Well, you'll be but, thankful uh, of think... having had your little break and holiday back into the back in the UK over the last uh, over the last month, right? Yeah, and, uh, recharge the batteries. Yeah, absolutely. Well, yeah. Um, when does the uh, when does entries close for Vietnam Juggle Marathon? That'll be in a week or so, and then okay. for Vietnam Trail Marathon, that keeps running until around uh, Christmas. Okay, uh, for cool. registration. And, and I mean, I've heard some incredible things from Rick's uh, run the Vietnam Jungle Marathon before. And also I spoke to people on the course that have run that race before and said that. Yeah. And also the wh whereas in the Vietnam Mountain Marathon, each of the different disciplines actually did kind of similar, like covered the same course. But I think on Vietnam Jungle Marathon, they're all very much different routes for each of the. Um, yeah, is it, there's a little bit of crossover. They come but, in um, some crossover and they all come in together at the end. Uh, yeah. sort of last about 8k is all together but they're, yeah they're a bit mixed up and then we've got that'll be an interesting race actually on the women's side because we've got Vanya coming over oh, from Singapore have. yeah and then uh, yeah of course that like you said we've got the the talent from inside Vietnam as well now so uh, yeah that's going to be will Hobie running as well race. I think but I'm not sure the same distance that's the thing. I don't know if they're going to be going head to head. I would be great if they did, but I think you should they're... convince them to. Because I, but like I know Vanyard, like seventy k is probably a bit. She doesn't normally go exactly, for that, yeah. that distance. Yeah. yeah, yeah. She likes to run fast. Yeah, but maybe. Yeah, I was thinking I might have a little chat and see if we can make it a bit more interesting at that race. But yeah, that's uh, that's coming up soon, and uh, that's a personal. I love them all, but that's something about that race very special. I think because we work with the community so much to put this village together and. And it is magic. The scenery is something else there. When we first went there, we couldn't believe that we found it. It felt like quite undiscovered. And even people in Hanoi didn't really know where is Pulung. Now it's better known, but but it was this secret little gem. And uh, yeah, it's just it's yeah. just magic. So yeah. 
be lovely to welcome you over there as well. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll have to uh, put that one in for next year. Um, yeah, I'm supposed to be ma- running a marathon in a month. I literally can't even walk to my kitchen at the moment. <laughs> I'm like oh, hopping along. So I don't know whether that's going to be happening. But, mate, it's been an absolute pleasure. Really good to see you out there as well, David. Thank you so much for um, yeah, for putting this on and giving the experience to all these runners and really elevating the trail running scene in Vietnam. It's been, uh, yeah, it's been great to see you in action. Thank you very much. Yeah, Thank you again for coming and thanks for having us on the, on the podcast. Cheers. Thanks a lot. Tell the truthful story if they ever ask. Stop the complaining because things ain't that bad. Hello, Mr. Rick Stockfish. How are we doing, mate? I'm all right. How are you, Scott? You're, uh, you're walking funny. I am walking a little bit funny, yeah. I've got a, uh, I've got one very swollen leg. But, uh, but yeah, um, was a great weekend up there, man. It was really good. It's, we... Uh, we didn't do any podcasts over the sort of pandemic region. We, uh, we didn't really have, you know, too much to cover. There wasn't much going on. But one thing we did is like we, things that were going on, we were like watching with a longing and just going, oh, I wish I was up there. And one of them was all the races in Vietnam when they managed to sort of avoid any real self in the first year and managed to have races going on. And we did say that it would be one of the first places we we headed up to when when travel opened up so i was i was chuffed to get the opportunity to go up there yeah it sounds like quite a weekend just listening back to to david there and just what an amazing thing to have pulled off yeah oh my god he was he's so crazily busy through it makes me just realize how tough a job these race directors have and uh, i listened back to the race base episode uh, not that long ago and uh and yeah, just hearing about like the nine, nine dragons and the organisation for that, and the fifty-fifty, and like how they just bite off more than they can chew. But it just makes make it a great experience. But this race, they had seven different disciplines. Like you had some people that that actually ran the twenty-one k, and then went and ran the ten k on there. So a few people did like uh, multiple courses as well. Um, but it, I mean, what what does make that really great is just the accessibility. So there are a lot of people that say. I was on the plane with Henry Yang and he was running the 100 and his wife ran her first ultra and she did the 42k and so if you're going as a couple like you you have some options for people to do different uh, different lengths of courses yeah and just as you say accessibility and 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 it's clearly a big part of what's grown the trail scene in Vietnam and as you said you you've, you've got kids there racing some of the shorter distances now and local talent really stepping up to the plate yeah, the fourteen-year-old I saw, he was like bouncing around. He was uh, he was well into it. But um, uh, I mean, the one challenge with that though is that the the courses were really chopped up. Like it was, uh, and I talked a bit about David with it at the end. But the last the last twenty-one k for the hundred kilometer and and miler group, and for the twenty-one k group, it was after all that rain, it was pretty tough to get through. But uh, I mean, look, no one signs up because it's going to be easy, do they? If they do, go and do a road marathon, you know. That's not what it's about. So, um, And your your own experience, so you, you think you hurt yourself because just the, the long running downhill is pretty impossible to train for here in Singapore. Yeah, I, I think that was largely I started feeling the back of my knee. Well, what it turns out it might be, I think I've like, uh, uh, Moira, the physio, thinks I've uh, ruptured a cyst that was, was kind of in the back of my knee and might have been there for a while. And what it's just created is the, uh, my whole leg to swell up. So I originally thought it would be it was my calf, but it was just really this uh, 
had caused swelling all the way down my uh, my leg and um uh yeah and i i mean i felt it but was able to run through it wasn't until like the last 50k that it became more challenging to bend my leg and then without poles and doing some there's some crazy um elevation in there some crazy hills um and uh yeah no i was pretty i was pretty chuffed to get it done in the end to be honest i was very close not to get it done at the last checkpoint as 5k downhill when i was uh I was about to call David and say, "Mate, um, I can't get down here. This isn't ha- this isn't happening." And luckily, my uh, well, I was actually going to call Jean first, actually, and say, "Mate, I'm in a bad way." And I know I'd have called him, and he'd have just gone, "Hey, get the fuck down," here, you know, because he actually he uh, he had an amazing race, but in in the past, he's DNF UTMB with seven k to go. Um, so and. Whilst he doesn't really have any major... I think he has regrets, but not to the point where he wants to go back and do it again. But uh, he would have definitely said to me, nah, you get, just get yourself down. And uh, What got you over the hump then? How did you... Do you know what I got? There was a couple of little kids I, I bought. Um, I bought some because I hadn't had trekking poles the whole time. But I bought a couple of uh, bamboo sticks off these kids and just uh, uh, and just basically dragged my leg home for the. Uh, and it was a it was a steep downhill road basically all the way to the uh, to the finish line. So it just took me a long time, and it took me way longer than uh, than yeah, like anyone else on the course basically. But and that, I mean, it sounds like you know you were a bit unlucky and, and couldn't couldn't really have foreseen that happening but would you have changed anything about the training or any learnings yeah i mean there's a few things that i've been chatting to more physio about it's just some different time type of strength training that i could do i think also just i, I was trying to replicate running down the bukatima road bit quite quite a lot so i was kind of i was varying my loop so i got to ru- run both up and down the main strip but actually like i i I published the the um the article from uh, the the interview with andy dubois that talked about training for utmb and a lot of these races in singapore and actually he's like you just need to go up and down that same route and so it might be boring but you know you you if you're training for something and you're good taking the time off work and spending the money on the travel and the race then you're best just to get in the best possible shape and so but yeah right training's not about enjoying it it's just about getting the right work done but i don't think i'd uh yeah just going up and down the the main strip of booker team for uh for seven hours doesn't sound would you would big. you take poles again if you'd known i i attempted to buy them actually the night before but couldn't get my size but uh yeah i i blame andre like i've uh I'm still potentially looking at four trails next year, so I've been trying to train without uh, without poles at all. But I was the only one in the whole hundred mile race, and I think the hundred kilometer race that didn't have poles. Um, yeah, I, so it definitely helps. Like it would have it would have probably reduced the the level of uh, of swelling and injury and it would have probably it would ha- definitely have me faster because there was a lot of hills there which if you had rhythm with poles you'd just be able to like smash it out a lot yeah. quicker yeah they definitely are a huge advantage and i don't entirely understand why andre is so anti sissy sticks as he calls them but um yeah uh it is what it is right if you if you're training for a race without poles then you probably shouldn't race with them. It must have been amazing, though, just seeing all the people there and to be back on 
on the start line with so many people. Yeah, I mean, to be fair, the start line for the 100 mile, there was only 160, 170 people, and it was pissing down. It was torrential. Um, but if you've seen the pictures of the um, 42K and the, uh, and the 70K, there was like, I think there was 1,500 people at the 42K start line. And I actually heard them going off because the, uh, the trail that I was on at the time kind of was, a, was about 2 or 3K. So I heard the announcements going off and them all setting off. And it was a, yeah, it was a crazy, uh, cra- it sounded like a great atmosphere. But yeah, to get 5,000 people uh, and, uh, and I think over 5,500 and, and over 4,000 domestic runners it's great. I mean, it's so good to see what they've done with the trail scene there. And uh, yeah, yeah, it's amazing. And uh, it's a it's an Asia Trail Master race, right? And you you saw Chris. Yeah, while you were up there. Chris Vanderveld was there, and uh, yeah, he's because um, it was a sort of. I think there was two disciplines in it, both the hundred kilometer and hundred mile. And um, yeah, so he's off to TMBT this weekend as well, right? That's uh, another race that's kind of close to our our hearts as well, and. Uh, um, we'll be getting you'll be sitting down with him in a week or so right yeah i mean it's great seeing these big races come back right like tmbt i think struggled because they just couldn't they couldn't get people in and and they didn't have the the domestic situation that vietnam did so they just couldn't open up for it but um yeah that should be quite competitive and, and you know we hear he's made some changes to the the format of the championship so we'll dig into that with him in a, in a couple of weeks yeah, I think like TMBT this year though has got they've had like really good um attendance. They've got um it's pretty much uh pretty much full. And um but yeah, as as David said, they've got the Vietnam Jungle Marathon as well coming up in uh, in October. Uh mate, you should get back up there. It's a good one. I'll, I'll I'll say that. I mean, he's David said it's it's his favorite one of the three, but it's um it's a pretty special place. It's interesting though, like you, you know, I I ran it in 2017 and you've just been up to the mountains and that 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 balance between opening up these regions driving people to go and see them and then but at the same time the village is getting more developed more paved roads and it's a really uh it's a really tricky balance to strike but yeah Yeah. i mean uh uh, pulong or or wherever um the jungle marathon is it's 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 pretty far away yeah i don't don't think that's going to get overdeveloped anytime soon i mean it's just the fact of when you're when you're linking up these tiny little villages which are it was i mean it was crazy i wish i'd i didn't take my phone out to take any pictures or videos for i I took one photo on the course i was focused on racing and um but there were a couple of crazy points like you're up in the middle of the mountains and it's just like it's so difficult to get there and then all of a sudden you turn around a corner and there's there's a moped there (laughs) and you think how the fuck did they get that moped like i've been going on like a crazy little dirt track and somehow they've got like a moped up in the middle of nowhere here and um and yeah there was like animals all over the course and uh yeah all like different from like pigs to water buffalo to um yeah uh, to like uh, yeah cows and uh actually like was running along a road and and as a herd of cows and it, it caused them to like go across the road and this lady drove into a like a, a, a calf right in front of me like bang and like smacked into this calf luckily it was okay like i was actually more worried for the calf than i was this lady <laughs> which but she just like screeched and just bumped into it with his uh, wheel but um uh yeah no it was um and, and yeah the all the people out on the course all of the sort of aid stations and were, were incredible but you, you can understand it's the same when we went up to um 
to maybe Seb, Seb yeah. yeah, up in uh, up in Chiang Mai, and a lot of the trails that he had mapped out, they were starting to concrete them because you know they well, need that, to. That village we stayed at, we'd run in and felt like you're in the middle of nowhere. Yeah, and then there's a couple of lads on mopeds just buzzing up and down the road on the other side, you know. Yeah, yeah, and it's kind of just the um, the nature of uh, of development, right? And for the um, um, progress almost, but um, yeah, you just hope like. Like with Hong Kong, that they managed to go. Okay, now these trails are really important. Like, let's try and maintain them for uh, um, for like physical activity and uh, countryside activity. But I don't think that's kind of front of mind at the moment. So, it's actually a good reason to have these races, right? Because the local government are heavily involved in uh, in all of the um, Vietnam Trail series. I'm sure they're heavily involved in UTMB for Thailand. And so there's reason for them to keep them for these kind of recreational activities. So, uh, yeah, there's an argument that actually having all these races is really good for the the maintenance of, of, of these trails. Yeah, well, I remember we, when we first spoke to David, and we should go back and dig out that interview when we, we, we first heard from him about how he built all this up. But I remember him saying that they now get approached by these sort of provincial governments who've seen the success of the other races. Can you come in and do one in our area? And it's again it's just that balance of not kind of oversaturating the market but you know when you've got 4000 local runners turning up I to mean, run you know you you've kind of got you've got to give the people what they want yeah and and it's not just that i mean i think they get 3000 or so he said for vietnam juggle marathon but all these people then go and race and they share photos of these beautiful areas they go through and all their friends see and go oh, i don't i might not want to run the race but i'd love to go and visit and see that area and you can understand why it's actually like a really good um, uh, tourism opportunity for the local governments um, and so yeah no, it's, a, it's very cool and I, I think we've both mentioned before there was a couple of adventure races going on the ARWS in, um, were organised sort of shorter races in, uh, in Krabi there's one coming up in Koh Samui in September uh, the, uh, the world champs with uh, like the full on world champs is happening in Paraguay this uh this week actually it's starting this i think it starts tomorrow so yeah the adventure racing is coming back online yeah and speaking of world champs we've got the world champ the trail and mountain running up in um in Ch- chiang mai yeah that's in yeah. november so try and get some people on that, that, that are going to be attending that yeah um, and then you're going to have for utmb thailand. for thailand coming up in december as well and then you've got the the apo in philippines which will be the final of the asia trail master it's like the yeah the next three or f- three or four months are going to be uh pretty full-on for the for the trail scene and uh yeah it's good man it's good and uh let's get you back up and running and um, yeah i've got got four i've like i stupidly i don't know whether it's stupidly but i signed up for the perth marathon just because i've got a bit of time in between jobs and um wanting to as i've never run a road marathon just smash out a decent time i think i still yeah moira thinks she'll be able to get me in shape for it mate it was funny going to see her yesterday we've both been to see her recently um but she's at a new physio i think it's hello physio in singapore but she's got a whole new set of equipment hasn't she it's like a modern day torture chamber yeah it's uh it's not somewhere i look forward to going even when i need to but yeah I don't know. I forget the name of that machine, the one that, that uses magnets to kind of realign. Yeah, it's um, it's one of the, the more strange feelings you'll ever encounter. Because I'd experienced her doing the um, the needling before. You're not allowed to call it acupuncture, I think, or like no, that, or or dry needling. Dry yeah. needling. Um, and uh, and yeah. So then this magnet thing, which she said it's like an eighty thousand dollar machine or something that just like 
puts like pulsey. It's, it's like a pulse, but it feels like it feels very uncomfortable. And then what's the other thing that with like a laser gun thing on it? I'm not sure. Like not the shockwave. 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 Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, I feel like I've I've used every every tool in their arsenal. But a big shout out actually to Hello Physio because. I've seen I've seen Moira. She went on maternity leave. I've saw Jenny, who I think is the founding physio there. She went on holiday. I've seen Connor, who's Moira's um, colleague as well. They're all fantastic, actually, and they've they've got me. You know, finally after many many dead ends over the last two years, they've finally got me out running and feeling strong and, and happy again. So that's cool, yeah, big man. Thank you so to them. You've been you've been running a bit over the past uh, past. Yeah, couple yeah of I mean, I didn't really want to talk about it in light of your hundred miles, mate. But yeah, every every couple of days, I'm getting out and. Uh, there's a there's a there's a Solomon sponsored race happening here in a week or two, um, so I'm going to sign up for that and just get myself back out there. Yeah, um, but it's it's really nice to see all these events coming back and feeling like you can plan a trip, um, and yeah, just just enjoy running on those trails again. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. There's plenty to do, and uh, and it was good seeing. There was a huge Singapore community up in um, uh, up in Vietnam as well, up in Sapa. No Hong Kongers. I didn't see anyone from Hong Kong, but um, yeah, fingers crossed. They're going to be uh, there's murmurings, right, that they'll be opening up soon, which could be uh, could be good for both the races and uh, yeah, because um, yeah, they've got got some great races. I think uh, the um, the Lantau uh, the Lantau uh, Trail one is due to be the Lantau hundred kilometer one was due to be at the end of this year. I bumped into a guy who was training for it around Bukatima, but um, yeah, I think that's in November or so. But uh, keep your eyes on it. Yeah, Good stuff, mate. Nice one. Cheers, Rick. We'll catch up very soon. And yeah, look look forward to listening to the chat with um with, with Chris next week. Yeah, for sure. Talk soon, Scott. Cheers. Tell the truthful story if they ever ask. Stop the complaining because things ain't that bad.